0: I don't know, I can think of far greater, worse dates than taking someone to church. Maybe that's why I'm still single. (laughs) Anyway, let's pray together. Gracious God, take our minds and think through them. Take our lips and speak to them. Take our hearts and set them on fire. In the name of our rock and our Redeemer, amen. Wow, the story of Ruth comes at just the perfect time. I don't know about you, but these last few weeks of reading through Joshua and Judges have felt like watching a video gamer play Call of Duty or Modern Warfare or watching an episode of Game of Thrones. We really need the book of Ruth at just the right time. It comes to us like a warm blanket, like a salve to our souls, like, a, like an oasis in the desert. It's a story that we need not just as we read through the bible but as we begin the book of begin the series of lent because if you think about it if the bible had ended right here if the bible had ended before we got to the book of ruth we would be left with the impression that the israelites never did quite figure it out at the very least we would get the impression that up until now the bible really does Equate faithfulness with violence, because after all, that seems to be the overriding theme of Joshua and Judges, that if you want to demonstrate your faithfulness to God, you have to commit violence. If the Bible were to stop right now, we might also conclude that the Bible really doesn't think too highly of families, because it doesn't really paint a picture of of human families or family relationships. I mean, after all, it begins with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, a family that was, that was struck with jealousy and murder. And then there's Abraham and Lot who fought, who quarreled, and ultimately separated. And then there's Jacob and Esau, that great sibling rivalry, only to be topped by the greater sibling rivalry, Jacob and his brothers, that family That family really put the fun in dysfunctional families. You know, with all this talk among certain Christian circles about wanting to get back to biblical family values, whenever I hear that, I really want to know which biblical family we're supposed to value. (laughs) So then comes along Ruth, and Ruth comes at just the right time. It's a story that doesn't have a single bit of violence. It's a story that that doesn't have a single bit of family dysfunction. It's the right story at just the right time, not just in our journey through the Bible, but here at the start of our Lenten journey. Because if you want to live with the best kind of character, which is the subject of our Lenten series this year, If you want to live the best kind of life, a life that only you and God can see, then I can think of few better stories to launch our journey than the story of Ruth. Before we even get to meet Ruth in the story, as the story unfolds, the first woman that we meet is a woman named Naomi. Naomi is a person who is blessed with a good life. By any measure, she's living a good life. Naomi has a husband and two sons, and at that time, in a patriarchal society, in a male-dominated kind of world, that was enough for Naomi to live a comfortable life. That husband and two boys meant that she could have a secure life. But then, in an instant, her world got turned upside down, changed forever, all within the first five verses of the book of Ruth, We're never told how, we're never told the details of how it happened, but all of a sudden Naomi lost her husband to death and then lost her two boys as well. You and I know that there's only one thing that is worse than that kind of grief. It is grief mixed with fear. And that's exactly what Naomi was experiencing because not only did Naomi lose three of her closest family members she also lost her social safety net she lost her economic safety net she would no longer be able to apply for a job she had lost her means of income basically she lost her whole guarantee of survival she couldn't apply for employment there was no program for her to apply to basically naomi lost everything you know if the story had ended here if the book of ruth had ended just after these first 5 verses it could very well mean the end of naomi but i'd like for you to notice something something remarkable about naomi's character because even in the midst of her own misery and grief and fear naomi still found a way to put the needs of other people before her own because she realized in that moment that there were two other people who were also grieving who were also afraid these were the wives of her two sons her daughters-in-law a woman named Orpah and a woman named Ruth her daughters-in-law were also grieving And so we can imagine Naomi going up to the two of them one moment, choking back her own tears, sort of biting her her upper lip just to try to get the words out, trying to put on a tough facade like you and I often do when we're trying to act like we're strong, when we're torn up inside. And she said to Orpah and Ruth, you know what, I'll be okay, really, I'll be fine you two have your whole life ahead of you. I want you to move on. Don't worry about me. Go back to your homes. Start over. Get married again. Start a new family. You have a bright future ahead of you. Don't worry about me. Really, I'll be okay. I mean, can you imagine saying words like that? I mean, I know you can i have we've all said these words in the past when we've tried to put on a tough facade when we're deep down struggling and people will come to us and they will offer care and concern they'll offer to do things for us but how many times have you and i said instead you know what thanks thanks for the concern but i'm i'm, I'm really okay don't worry about me i'm fine even though deep down inside You're screaming from the depth of your soul, I don't know how I'm going to make it. That's exactly what Naomi was going through. And so Orpah and Ruth had a choice, an unenviable choice to be sure, and Orpah decided To heed naomi's advice she went ahead and and she went home she left naomi she went to start over and and we would do well not to denigrate orpah too much i mean after all who could blame her this was not so much orpah turning her back on naomi this was orpah turning toward her new future starting over starting a new life we can't blame her too much but ruth ruth chose the opposite direction She chose a different path, the harder path. And it's here that we discover the first character quality in our Lenten journey. She chose the path of loyalty. Listen for God's Word as it comes to us from this morning's Scripture reading in Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to abandon you to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And may the Lord do this to me, and more so if even death separates me from you. When Naomi saw That Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her about it. This is the Word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. I just love that last line. I I love how Naomi says, no, Ruth, really, it's okay. I'm fine. You don't have to stay with me. And then Ruth says, stop it, Naomi. We're not going to debate this anymore. I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to stay. And Naomi says, okay. (laughs) But deep down inside, Naomi was really saying, thank you, Ruth. Thank you. Each week in Lent, we're going to learn a different aspect of holy character that God wants to shape within us so that we can live by the best kind of character in a way that only you and God can see. And by the time we get to Holy Week, we are going to have a full composite sketch of the kind of qualities that God is wanting to shape in us after the model and image of Jesus. And it is right here that we learn the first quality, loyalty. It's here in the story of Ruth, that we get the most basic definition of biblical loyalty. The most basic definition of biblical loyalty is this. When you say to someone in need, I'm not leaving you. I will be right here. I'm here with you. In the book, You Are Here, written by the great Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh, He suggests that when you have someone in your life who is in need, in other words, when you meet a Naomi for whom you can be their Ruth, Fitchnot Han says that you should say these seven words. These seven words are so rich, we put them in your bulletin insert this morning so you could take it home. Fitchnot Han says, When you meet someone in need, you should say, Dear one, I am am here for you. Dear one, I am here for you. When someone hears you say these words, they know that you're not just there to give them advice, because Lord knows there's a lot of people in their lives giving them lots of advice. And they know that you're not just there to sprinkle them with well wishes, because God knows there's a lot of people who are sprinkling them with well wishes. These words mean that you are earnestly and loyally and fully by their side. In Christian terms, we would use the word incarnational to describe this, which means that when you say those words to someone, God's love is made real and vivid through your own flesh and blood, through your own physical presence, when you are there to remind them that they are not alone. I love what Fitch Not Hahn writes, he says, when people feel appreciated in this way, when they feel embraced by the mindful attention of another, they will open and blossom like a flower. That's the power of you saying to someone, I am here with you, dear one. That you literally can open up their soul and their spirit that is closed off in the darkness and watch them bloom and blossom. Fitchnot not writes, if the person you love is suffering, you can say, dear one, I know you are suffering, and that's why I'm here for you. And you don't have to make a big deal about it, Han says. You just generate your own presence. That, he says, is the essence of love, to be there for the one you love when she is suffering. Because the fact that you are there with the energy of your presence and understanding, and the fact that you recognize the presence and energy of the other person in their suffering, that will give them a great deal of relief, he says. Some people suffer deeply but are completely ignored by others. They are alone and isolated, so cut off from the rest of the world that their suffering becomes overwhelming you must go to them and open the door of their heart so that they see that love is there. I love that last line, that you can go to a person who is suffering and open the door of their heart so that they can see that love is there. That is why we need the story of Ruth. That's why the story of Ruth comes at just the right time for us. And because just when we think, just when we think that the Bible has a problem with foreigners and outsiders, because Joshua and Judges are filled with all sorts of stories where God commands them to kill foreigners and kill outsiders, and we might be led to the impression that that's what faithfulness looks like, along comes Ruth at just the right time. Because we discover that Ruth is not only a foreigner, not only is she not Jewish, she is a Moabite, a sworn enemy of the Israelites, because she is here to remind us that God's love is not a wall, it is a bridge, and love that is expressed in incarnational loyalty knows no boundaries. And just when we think that being a family in the Bible is filled with backstabbing and betrayal and selfishness and competition and and heartbreak and misery and infighting, you know, a lot like your family and a lot like mine, along comes Ruth at just the right time. Ruth shows us that to be a family means that you will stick with it, that you will stick with it as a family no matter the highs, no matter the lows, pouring out ourselves for the benefit of others. And just when we think that love might be in short supply today, when we are more consumed with bitterness and division and we're so entrenched in in tribal loyalties and beset by our differences from one another, Ruth comes at just the right time. And Ruth shows us the power of empathy which is also in very short supply today. And Ruth shows us how to look at a person who is different from us, with whom we might have a disagreement, and show a love that is patient and kind, a love that is not boastful or arrogant or rude, a love that believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things, a love that sticks with it until the end. I'd like to imagine that when Paul was writing the great love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, he had in mind a person like Ruth. And just when you think you can't make a difference in the world, just when you think that little old you, little old insignificant you is incapable of making a dent of a difference in a world that is so dark and desperate, along comes Ruth at just the right time because her single act of loyalty and love really did make a difference a difference that we are still experiencing today, because there's more to the story of Ruth. You want to know what happens? As the story goes, because Ruth chose to stay with Naomi, she eventually met and fell in love with a man named Boaz. Ruth and Boaz decided to get married, and they started a family, and the two of them gave birth to a son a son named Obed. Obed would eventually get married and start a family of his own. Obed would give birth to a son, Ruth's grandson, a man named Jesse. Jesse, in turn, would also start a family, have a large family, many boys, including one boy in particular, Ruth's great-grandson, a man named David who would become the greatest king Israel would ever know. But the story goes on. David and God would strike a special relationship, and God would tell David that his ancestry and his descendants would be a special one because David would give birth to a new generation, a new descendancy that would eventually bring to the world a son. Born to Mary and Joseph, A boy named jesus ruth is the great 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 ancestor of the savior who would save all humankind all of that because of one woman's singular act of loyalty and love ruth comes to us at just the perfect time to remind us that it's love not violence, that can overcome hatred. To remind us that loyalty, not betrayal, is the truest family value. And to remind us that both loyalty and love can make a profound difference in the world, even long after we're gone. Thank God for Ruth. Her story comes at just the right time. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for the bold and loving witness of this woman named Ruth who stands far and above many other biblical characters in the way she demonstrates for us the character quality of love, compassion, and of loyalty. Forgive us, O Lord, for being so beset by our fear of the outsider and so beset by our betrayals and selfishness with family members, and so ignorant of the possibility of love that we forget that all of us have the capacity to bear witness to your image within us and share a loyalty and love that can transform the world. We thank you for the incarnational presence of Jesus himself, which we will observe in a few moments in the sacrament of Holy Communion, that reminds us that your love can be made real as we say to others in need, Dear one, I am here with you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Let all God's people say, Amen.